Almost Midnight, a horror anthology podcast. My name is Mr. Cleaver, and we are here again in the realm of VHS. Hell yeah. This time for VHS 94, which came out not too long ago on Shudder. And it was a big surprise because we'd all kind of thought... I I personally had thought that it died after Viral because Viral was uh, so poorly received. So I, didn't, I I had no idea there was a future in the VHS franchise, but thankfully there is, and it's actually quite good. The idea being, I think, for VHS 94 is that the world pretty much ends at the end of Viral. At least that's what's hinted at. No, not hinted at. Shown. That's what's shown at the end of Viral. And I think they kind of left themselves in a lurch. They didn't know quite what to do, so I think they had to go back to 1994, which was smart because... You know, none of the stories really were affected by being set in the past. Although, my old ass doesn't <laughs> doesn't think a '94 is too long ago. But Jesus, it's long. It's it's a while. It's a while ago. You blink, and then you're suddenly you're 36, and your back hurts. Well, let me get off that depressing tangent. All right. <laughs> um, lately, I have been Mr. Cleaver's been watching a lot of shit slashers. I mean, um. They're not bad, but they're just cheesy and probably poorly made, and I don't know why I love them that way. Uh, I watched The Newly Deads and Jack O and Evil Laugh and Death Screams the last two days. I love me in 80s slashers. Uh, Anthology's best for me, but slashers is definitely number two. I love me a slasher. So that's what Mr. Cleaver's been up to. You know what he's also doing right now? Lounging in his bed. Yep, no van. No cold van for Mr. Cleaver tonight. I am in my own humble abode. It's been exciting this Halloween. There's a lot of good horror out. A lot of stuff that I really want to see, like Smile and Barbarian and Pearl. And uh, But I'm in a perpetual state of being two or three years behind. Just, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I'm I'm unenthusiastic about horror these days. I love a good, I love a good one. Come along, knock my socks off, but... I don't know. I guess my happy place is the 80s. <laughs> Maybe in the 70s and early 90s, I'd say. That's a sweet spot. But VHS 94, yeah, landed. Not a moment too soon. Shutter is just amazing. Uh, they, they're not. Once again, they're not paying me. I just think they're amazing. The shows they choose, the movies they choose, a lot of their original contents on point, including this year they're doing 101 Scariest mo- Movie Moments. It's it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like a beefed up version of what Bravo did in the late nineties or early aughts. What was that? Bravo's one hundred scariest movie moments, and uh, this was where a lot of us got our uh, more obscure movies from. We're like, I hadn't heard of that one. All right, on it. Hadn't heard of that one. On it. That's where I got like way back in the day. I got you know like The Hitcher and uh, Exorcist three, and I love it. It's an amazing movie. And the changeling, a lot of, a lot of like what would have been obscure back then, but are kind of like 
very commonplace now. That's how I ran into that. And uh, of course the internet was around, it just wasn't as big, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but these days, you know, when you, when you break the seal and you have access to practically everything, you know, it's hard to prioritize. So normally I just do anthologies, slashers, if a new movie makes a big splash, or as a franchise, I love me a franchise, so I definitely watch Prey, loved it. The new, the brand new Hellraiser, which dropped on Hulu not too long ago, loved it. I could get pushback from people, I can understand it, but me personally, it felt like a Hellraiser movie. And it was nice to be able to say, I saw a good Hellraiser movie, although I didn't, I, I don't hate a lot of them. A lot of, as much as other people do. I'm a, I'm a huge apologist for the Hellraiser franchise. I don't really hate any of them. I know they're, they're crap, but I don't know. I guess it's crap I love. As long as you sprinkle a little Doug Bradley in there, I'll eat that crap right up. But the gal who took over, I don't know her name because I'm, I'm just a rude son of a bitch, I guess. She did amazing. I did miss uh, Bradley's booming voice, but the tone was there. I thought it was pretty well done. Mr. Claver gives it a 7.5 out of 10, tentatively. Halloween Ends is being released currently. I am going to do my best to get to the theater for that. But, uh, I got a lot of kids. <laughs> it's by the sheer grace of God that I actually have a spare moment to record my ramblings. So I'm, I'm going to do my best to get to them theaters because it sounds like it's divisive. It sounds like there's elements that are going to, to be controversial. And it's going to be very, very freaking hard to duck those spoilers <laughs> until it hits streaming. Somewhere other than Peacock, because nobody has Peacock. Ugh, I don't think the president of Peacock has Peacock. I mean, there's like four or five must-have streaming services. And I think Peacock just lands right outside of those. <laughs> I, got, I got Prime, Shutter, Hulu, Netflix... Paramount Plus, HBO Max. Fuck that. <laughs> fuck the Peacock. So yeah, from fuck the Peacock to... Uh, my plan going forward. A VHS 94. We're going to roll this one off. It's going to be a love fest virtually. And then I think we might go fairly more obscure. Do some of those low budget, amazing discoveries from the 80s and the 90s probably throw off my metrics and <laughs> won't get listened to but i don't care this is you know what this for me is fun it, even if i didn't distribute this and you beautiful people listen to it it would still be fun to just out loud share my passion for these short story movies these anthologies it's just i've always loved them campfire stories getting together with you know your older kids or older friends or cousins and telling these old urban legends and and old like i said old campfire stories i don't know i'm just i'm in love with it and i always have been uh, the I, the anthology is good for you sit down with it and it feels like you you know you accomplished a lot you watched like five mini movies and uh you know you actually increase your chances of of hearing a story that you like if you give a hour and a half long movie one shot and that's that's your night you got one story that you are guaranteed either to like or to not like and that'll determine how your night goes but if you split that motherfucker down to like three or four segments 
and uh, you're guaranteed to like more. Of course, for the holidays, I'm going to break out Christmas Horror Story, which I think is one of the best anthology films made in the past 10 years. I'll go ahead and give it 10 years. All the Creatures Were Stirring. I liked that one. It's a little messy, but I liked it. There's actually quite a few Christmas anthologies at this point. Holidays, I'd like to cover at some point. Big fan of that one. Not a popular opinion. <laughs> but tonight, we're focusing on VHS 1994. Released in, I believe it was 2021. But don't shoot me. We open in our wraparound, which is called... Holy Hell. Holy Hell. Directed by Jennifer Reeder. And uh, the only thing I, I found in her in her filmography that I that I've heard of is Knives and Skin. I've heard a lot of good buzz about that. But she does our wrap around which begins in glitchy VHS format as per usual. VHS of course is a found footage anthology. That's for the for the you know the newcomers. Holy Hell begins with footage of a woman in white, seemingly, she's like inhaling a vapor from her hands. And uh, in front of screens. And then the goop rolls down her hands and then she comes back up without eyeballs and starts counting down. And then a figure passes behind her. And then boom, we cut to random SWAT team. That's right. It looks like the beginning of Wreck 2, if you're in the know. They're going, they're on the scene. They're going to this building. And that's pretty much what Holy Hell is. It's a, it's, the wraparound in this is pretty much four SWAT members, or all these SWAT members, finding this, this, uh, this building, which is just littered with, you know, dead bodies, and oddly placed mannequins, and uh, a cult-like voice speaking over over the loudspeaker saying stuff like the signal is salvation talking about the signal of the you know the devil's snuff films all those things cut together i don't know i think vhs is kind of series out of time um this technically would serve to be a prequel before all of the other vhs's i believe because it, feel, it feels like all the other ones are set in their day in the wraparounds do you know what i mean so technically this would be a bit of a of a prequel which may not make much sense because it seems like with this cult activity happening around the tapes and then our uh, in the in the last wraparound segment that the two gals are actually two of the gal swap members are part of the uh the cult spoiler alert keep it real with you right now i took an edible so i don't know when it's supposed to kick in but if i start start spouting some bullshit um i don't know you hate me you can hate me if you want that's cool returning back to holy hell the swat team's rolling up and as i said the the atmosphere is off you know there's a they're kind of just stumbling into it it's not too drastic in the beginning so they're a little bit more filled with bravado but as they notice these things are off here and there, they eventually come to dun 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 a bunch of TVs and a bunch of VCRs. That's right. They're back. It's a staple. 
I'm probably in the next movie, which is probably not going to be a VHS movie. I'm probably going to accidentally say, and then they stumbled into a bunch of TVs and VCRs and VHS tapes because I am that fucking used to this setup. I think that's one of the drawbacks to the VHS franchise is that the wraparounds, they don't tend to be too imaginative. And if they do establish any, it, it just kind of feels unclear. But I kind of liked it that way. A viral kind of peeled the curtain back a little bit too far. And then, of course, with destroying the world, quote-unquote, yeah, it just did a lot of damage. But holy hell, we are investigating. Like I said, appears to be a cult. Probably is. It is. That, our first video starts randomly. And this one is called... Storm Drain, directed by Chloe Okuna, who, Okuno, excuse me, who I've never, I've never really heard of, but she did an amazing job with this one. You kind of get footage of this, this young, attractive, like, reasonably talented reporter, and she's doing a story on this local cryptid, or, you know, this local creature called Ratman, which is exactly what it sounds like it's, it's a big rat man type creature she's up uh, with her cameraman about how she's kind of wasted on this kind of bullshit and uh, i suppose she could be there's one guy who shows her the storm drain where apparently he had seen the rat man at and he he points at it with an assault rifle which is freaking hilarious that's very america and i hate as much uh right-wing satire as there is in the last one but we will leap off that bridge when we come to it so the studio calls the reporter and tells her look we're gonna need some footage of you down near the entrance of the storm drain and she's not too thrilled with this <laughs> she didn't want to get anywhere near you know the dirtiness but she will get all up in that dirtiness because she she tentatively goes down there and stands in front of the storm drain and the cameraman's like, you know, she's going a little bit deeper here, you know, be a better, better framing or something. So she steps back inward and then she's rattling off her, you know, her dialogue there for the camera. And then starts hearing this weird sound coming from behind her. She's repulsed by her surroundings. There's also that, that driving force in her where she's like, it's piqued her interest. You could tell she's out of her comfort zone, but she's got a live one. She heads in. So does our cameraman, because that's what the movie's about. <laughs> it's about your found footage. If you don't go in there, you don't find the shit. Then it's just a story about a reporter who went into a storm drain. Yeah, I, I love my tangents. Anyway, back to VHS 94. So she goes deeper into the into the tunnel and she sees like sleeping bags along the side down there she's like deep in the guts of the of the storm train and uh yeah she's tense and she gets you know she's like i can't believe how we treat our homeless people in the country which is correct you know what i mean like we are we are shit at that but you know she's just on her little high horse that's kind of funny. 
they turn and they see this this uh, kind of old disheveled guy, kind of covered with. Uh, he looks like he came out of a chimney, but instead of like, you know, dust and stuff, it's uh, like a black liquid. He looks like he took a dunk in a black pool. And he's just like staring at her with her eyes wide. And as she's asking him the questions, all he's doing is smiling real wide and then black liquid starts coming out of his mouth. I'm kind of conflagrating some of the elements here. I can't remember if he says that this is the first occurrence of the phrase Ratma, which is the name of the creature for this, the sewer dwelling people. They call him Ratma. They say, Hail Ratma. But not quite yet, because we're not there yet. So, skirmish. There's more, you know, kind of disheveled vagrants living down there. And the cameraman and the reporter get separated. Somehow she gets knocked out. Anyway, she wakes up. And she's amongst this, like, community of, uh, they're chuds. They're 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 not cannibalistic. Sorry. Um. They're just the underground homeless population. It seems like they've been mesmerized by this creature that they kind of no, they don't kind of they worship it. They kind of treat it like a god. And so. Ratma makes itself known, and it's I believe it's all practical. It looks great. You know, it may not look great to you know younger audiences but you know i appreciate i appreciate practical effects every time even if it hurts the believability even if it most of the time it helps though so ratma makes short work of the cameraman i think his name's gary and uh he he seemed to be like offered up as like a sacrifice to the people and uh I guess Ratma's coming back for the reporter, and she is saying she can help him. She can spread the word. You don't have to kill her. So the Ratma kind of, like, screams in her face and covers her with black goo, and then it feels like a skirmish happens, but it cuts out, and then we are treated to a commercial for Veggie Smasher, which is a very nostalgic-looking infomercial for a product called Veggie Smasher. They nailed this. I don't know if any of you remember these these damn infomercials from way back in the day. It's 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 a bygone era, but it was brilliantly done by Steve Kostansky, who did Psycho Gorman and The Void and all those things. He's always been so good at that retro stuff, and he nails it. So we come back from Veggie Smasher to the news desk and uh, the lead anchor, the gentleman's talking about how the skirmish in the sewer that ended a man's life and uh, endangered his co-anchor, anchor's life, our reporter, our brave reporter. And she looks in the camera and she starts saying her spiel. She's rolling on. She's like, like college tryouts blah 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 ratma she just slips ratma in there it's like she has like a cognitive thing where she can she can appear normal for only a certain amount of time and then she has to say ratma so she keeps trying to talk and she's like 
the following athletes will be rap mode. <laughs> and then the, the lead anchor's kind of be kind of getting like, what what's going on here? What are you doing okay? And then she all of a sudden uh looks like she's gonna be sick, and then she throws this this black liquid into her co-anchor's face. <laughs> and his uh face starts melting off. Oh man. It's amazing. I'm sorry. I have to chuckle at it because I, I, you know, it's so dark and absurd, but it's also kind of hilarious. So after, after she throws up that, that acid bile into the, the anchor's face and she turns to the face camera and just says, hail Ratma. That's the end of our segment. <laughs> I love Storm Drain. Um, it's it's classic VHS. You know, I got... This is when I could start <sighs> breathing a little easier when the first segment came out and it's just as kind of warped, kind of funny, very interesting, atmospheric. And uh, that ending was just a chef's kiss. It's amazing. I love that. It's so dark. It's so dark. <laughs> Oh man, I love that Ratma was real. That it, well, obviously it was practical effects. I like the characters. In a very short amount of time, you get a good sense of who they are. That she's kind of uptight, you know, pretty serious, and the cameraman's typical cameraman, you know, just going along. Let's just get her done. Storm Drain gets four out of five from me. I I love it as a standalone. I think it's great. I love the idea. I wish Hale Ratmo would go would, would kind of flourish in the in the horror community as one of those taglines, but uh I one can only help. So we got our first successful story in the bank. We return to our wraparound, holy hell. And um there actually isn't much progression with each wraparound. I gotta be honest with you. They just find more vaguely weirder and weirder shit. But when they come back, they pretty much just find a bunch of weird mannequins and shit. Sitting in pews. Surrounded by video screens. And and this voice calling out about the signal. The signal is life. It's VHS. But I mean, what I mean is, like, it just feels... The wraparound just struggles from devastating mediocrity if i had to call it something it's it's not as though it's bad it's just it's not very good it's it's fairly well executed i like the the body cams and the way it's shot and then the set designer being a pro just setting this place up to look like you know jonestown in the 90s like surrounded by video cameras and all this nonsense so so that's pretty much it. Yeah, they they launch us. I'm sorry, I'm not. <laughs> the wraparound kind of washes over you. It's not a whole lot of nothing happens. They just discover the weirder and weirder shit as they get further into the building. So we can start segment number two. This one is called Empty Wake. And this one is directed by Simon Barrett, who, of course, did your next and the guest. And he's been very active in the VHS series. Funeral Home. The inside of a funeral home. And thing around the casket. And her two superiors. 
are telling her about her job. You know, like, this is just, it's a late night wake. These are the demands. They want the whole wake to be recorded overnight. And uh, they put her in charge. And uh, she seems nervous. She seems like she's never been tasked with this before. But, you know, she works at a funeral home. How rough could it get? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're, they're preparing to take off. And she noticed that the, the casket on that mount they have it on, it's uh, off a ways. <laughs> and they're, they kind of like chalk it up to, oh, somebody brushed a, brushed a, brushed past it and then uh, knocked it off the, oh, just slightly off center. And uh, if you knew how heavy bitches were, that's not very likely, but they all kind of push it back at the center. And the owner, tells her several times you have my number please don't use it but if there is an emergency use it i'm fucking off now laters so then we have this this young girl dressed very chic i guess you could say <laughs> just you know very proper and uh what i love about this is it's just footage of the uh of the hall you know where they have the casket and the chairs and such and it's just kind of her being bored there kind of reading a magazine and there's uh some light thunder crashing out there wind picking up it's gonna be a stormy evening folks and it's just our main character in a dead body i gotta be honest with you these are my favorite kinds of segments i love a good psychological horror this one's got it you know it gives you that anxiety of the funeral home it gives you that not of that feeling of not knowing quite what'll happen next the same thing with storm drain these things are these stories this time around they're doing a great job of keeping you off guard and it's so hard to keep a serious horror fan off guard because we've literally been through the ringer and seen it all but what I love is that you you probably have a sense of what's going to happen, but I promise you, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. She's actually waiting around for a while when suddenly, you know, a man comes in. It's just a, you know, middle-aged man with a beard. Very proper as well. He goes to the front, front row, sits down, and he's he's chanting, it would have seemed to be. You know what I mean? She doesn't mean to to listen but she can clearly hear him like chanting something in a different language at the casket which feels weird but this entire night's weird you know what i mean he's not like doing it like loud very loudly he's just doing it you know so she doesn't really call any attention to it you don't want to interrupt what could be somebody's grieving process is but you also would you know would rather they don't raise the dead but he, she's, yeah, he's, he does that, gets up, thanks her, and then politely fucks off. Now the storm's picking up. We feel the loneliness, the isolation. I came in, though. I completely forgot. She calls her boss because the casket's made another noise and it's moved again on its, on its mount there. And uh, she calls him. She's like, I think, I think there's a problem here <laughs> um i think he's still alive it's i think it moved uh 
And he says, I assure you it did not. They did talk about this earlier, but apparently the body was in very rough condition. Like, think in pieces. You know what I mean? They probably had to stitch him back together like Frankenstein. They said, well, he doesn't look great, but how he was, you know what I mean? There is zero chance he's still alive. She's being ridiculous. She calls her friend and asks her to look up her. Let's look up the obituary for this young this young man who died in the supposed... And then that gentleman comes in. Chance. In Hungarian, I believe. Fucks off. And then now the lights are flickering even more. Like, we, we lost power a little bit at one point. But now the lights just fuck right off. The lights don't even want any of this, this nightmare. So, friend tells her that the man in the casket died after jumping from a church roof after shouting a bunch of gibberish. Maybe he watched one of those cursed videos. You do not know. I don't know either. They didn't fucking say. But, either way, this guy is dog meat in that casket. And then when the lights go out, it's not good, folks. It's not good for our heroine. Because she hears a louder thud. That could only be something to do with the damn casket, I would imagine. So she picks up the camera with the light. And she begins to investigate. Right after trying to fuck off herself. Like, I gotta give credit to her. She does bolt at the, at the exact right time. Right now is the time to bolt. She tries. The front doors are chained for some reason. I think that was done by our gentleman who visited. Maybe they wanted something bad to happen tonight. Look how stupid I am just randomly figuring shit out. So she can't get out. She goes in there and the casket is on its side. And there's no dead body in it. So there's this nice, like, atmospheric, this thick moment. It's amazing where she's kind of looking around and wondering what she's going to find. Is she going to find, like, a dead guy spilled out all over everywhere? Or is she going to find him in the corner just standing there facing the wall? That's what she finds. She's focusing light on it. She's moving. She must have bumped into something. They turns around. Now he is he's got about half a head. But it's taken out like diagonally, so he's missing a good chunk of the top of his head. So he's got like a big old you know he's fucked up. It's it's like Night Living Dead. Yeah, there he's dead, he's all messed up. So it it seems like he's he's coming after her because he heard the noise, so he's like Arr, 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 arr. And uh, apparently, remember, he was stitched back together, uh, barely, so his, his hand comes off. And he's just, like, looking for her now, and she's, like, crouching somewhere, trying not to make a noise, because I think we're here to be able to see, because that part of his head slid the fuck off when he got out of the casket. Successfully evades him. Meanwhile, outside, folks, the storm is fucking kicking up. It is rough out there. 
tornadic activity. I live in the Midwest. I've encountered this shit before. It's irritating. But not as irritating as the fact that she gets up and is attempting to GTFO. She starts looking at the the top half of his head on the ground there for some reason. The top half spots her. And then the body immediately rushes after her. It's a great jump scare. I love it. She's fallen upon by this by this madman with half a head. And all of a sudden... I guess a tornado fucking... <laughs> it's, the, it's the funeral home. And uh, everything's chaos for a little bit. Footage kicks back in. And we see our damsel kind of wander off. And I was very surprised. It's one of my favorite segments in the VHS franchise. When I first watched it, I was, you know, by myself, as always. Nobody watches this bullshit with me most of the time. And uh, outside, it was a little bit stormy, I think, if I remember correctly. Either that or I was just so invested in the story. And uh, I just builds, builds amazingly. And it puts you right in her shoes. And you feel all that anxiety. You know, she did a good job at the wake, you know. I mean, it wasn't her fault that there was a zombie and a tornado and shit. Other than that, she did a great job, you know, babysitting the wake. I love it. I love that thick tension. It reminds me of Autopsy of Jane Doe or something. I love a good isolated character story. You know, it, it immediately puts you into their position a lot more suitably, you know, instead of having a couple characters... You have one, and then that is your that is your plug into that world. Uh, great job. This is a terrific segment. Simon Barrett is terrific. I give it five out of five. I overrated it because I fucking love it. Anything that can even get mildly under my skin these days, I gotta give high high marks to. Because I just finished so many horror movies, I'm like, I wish that had scared me more. I wish that had gotten under my skin more. I just want to be chilled and. And this this one did it. Called The Subject, and it's directed by the gentleman who directed Safe Haven in VHS 2. This is, um, I'm going to try to pronounce his name, because I, tr- I want to honor this person. But I, I don't think that my poor language skills massacring his name. Anyway, his name is Timo Tijajanto. That's my best. I'm so sorry. Uh, I even think I went vaguely racist on the end there. I am so sorry. Just butcher in this. Just not doing great. I'm sorry. And like I said, he's he's responsible for Safe Haven from VHS 2. And uh, one of my favorite shorts from the first ABC's of Death called Ellis for Libido. Super fucked up. But uh, then again, this is super fucked up too. So is Safe Haven. Um, he's got a couple of Movies that I know have good rep have a good reputation. May the Devil Take You is one of them, and The Night Comes for Us is another. So uh, yeah, check those out and recheck out Safe Haven because it's amazing. And Ellis for Levito, I don't know if it makes the entire movie worth watching, but it's pretty fucking messed up. I loved it though. So this one's called The Subject, and what we get is a bit of a mad scientist story. But it opens, um, I immediately got a little scared about this segment because it opened on a head with robot spider legs, like a human head 
with robot spider legs coming out of it. And then the CGI is a little wonky. And then the head burns up. And then the mad scientist off the off the side of the screen's like, ah, crap. So apparently we're in the realm of the mad scientist story. And these this is, of course, subtitled. But it doesn't hurt the movie at all. In fact, it kind of adds to it in a way. We see video footage coming into focus. And it turns out... You see him, he's got a couple of bodies. Um, a male strapped to the wall. And then this female who's got this this thing overhead. Turns out she'd been, she had gotten her brain taken out. I don't know what this guy is doing. But I'm starting to think he's not all there. I'm starting to think he's not on the level. You know what I'm saying? Maybe don't go to him. Maybe go to a different doctor. Anyway, turns out he's been abducting people and subjecting them to these experiments. Apparently he's he was some kind of a advanced prosthetic limb designer working with robotics. Makes sense. Apparently he flips, starts abducting people, and he's turning them into hybrids. Tech and organic hybrids. It's kind of like... Uh, it's like nothing I've ever seen, <laughs> ever seen before. He's digging around, kind of, with that stuff. So, yeah, this woman... We, we find out we're in the viewpoint of the woman who comes to life. And he's very happy about it. She becomes a, awake, and uh, she's taken in her surroundings. And uh, our mad doctor is going on and on about how perfect she is. So apparently we're we're a camera from the viewpoint of this robot's head. And uh, this segment, it kind of goes to f- to holy shit town. From like, you know, 5 to 11 or 12 or 5,000, this thing fucking kicks into gear. It's just like Safe Haven where it kind of starts fairly... Placid, not totally. It's a, still a horror story, but you know, you kind of get warmed up, and then once you, once you climb the slide, it's just a fucking madhouse all the way down. So he's talking to her about how perfect she is. She's missing a hand, which she uh, uses as one of her gun arms later on. <laughs> this this one, like I said, this one gets fucking chaotic. So she's barely awake, and then all of a sudden, the siren sounds, and apparently we have visitors. Apparently, they have found the mad scientist compound, and they are there for his day of reckoning. SWAT team rush in. Pull all their weapons on the mad scientist all at once. And eventually, uh, they just freaking pepper him yeah they just they shoot the unholy shit out of him our our mad scientist character is down for the count which is weird because it feels like all through the first third of this it's like maybe he's gonna be a bit of our main character but nope we are in robot girl's viewpoint and he is getting mowed down by these SWAT team members so they're going around they check on her. They said it's unfortunate what has happened. We have not seen what has happened to her yet. But somehow a siren is tripped. 
walking around with a door across the room and then this freaking explosion happens and then apparently this is some kind of a protocol where this big kill crazy robot human android i don't know what the fuck to call it this thing goes on a warpath we we saw him putting this big sword on him earlier and uh yeah he comes to life and he starts uh fucking people up pretty good like i said he's got that huge ass sword on one so he's just chopping some people up taking a tiny bit of damage chopping people up oh man and we're just seeing all of this from our camera girl's point of view and, uh, he takes out a lot of people except for uh main character who gives him a grenade to hold on to and then he he blows the fuck up and then the uh the guy who's uh, the can't who he's trying to stop the trigger happy Yo, this is Chuck Bands down here at the Almost Midnight Hour Empire. And, uh, yo, Chucky's doing pretty good. I apologize, uh, grievously to all those people who ordered the, uh, the, the little haunted dolls there. As they, uh, well, they're, they're all gone. They all escaped from my clutches, it seems. So, uh, yeah, your, your refund's in the mail. I don't know how that happened. Turns out you can't trust, uh, supernaturally possessed dolls, you know. We've, we've all been there. Anyway, Chucky's got something new in today. Um, this lady brought it in crying. Gotta hear monkey's paw here. Like a shriveled old monkey paw. Yeah. I'm trying to sell this for a minute. So I was thinking about uh, $79.99. God, wish I could get rid of this thing. Uh, like, well, look. Uh, one of the one of the monkey little, little monkey fingers is up. Uh, that's weird. Wish I knew what that was about. Oh, look, one more's up, <laughs> and I know it's a, what it's about. This is yeah, this is a kaist uh, monkey's paw. It will grant you wishes, but a cruel twist of irony will uh, will thereafter haunt you. So uh, yeah, let's just let's just. I wish I didn't hold this monkey's paw, and it's gone, and it's not for sale. But if it was, I probably could have seen my way to charging you sixty nine ninety nine for it. Are you take it easy out there? Uh, this is Chuck Pants. I'm sorry that I'm interrupting the, uh, the podcast there with the weirdo. Take it easy. Our robot girl, amidst the chaos, excuses herself to another room and actually is able to look into a mirror for the first time and she sees that her head is pretty much a camera. She's just a robot. She's devoid of humanity. She gets pissed off. So she takes her hand. There's no longer there. <laughs> she takes her arm and she turns it into a gun. And uh, our robot girl rips ass through this chaos. Turns out the big ass robot is still alive and wreaking havoc. She kills every soldier in her way. Purely out of self-defense, of course. They're taking shots at her too. So she finally encounters the the camera guy you know the one who's sympathetic not a complete piece of shit and with a little help with a little provocation they join forces gtfo try to find a way out of here robot girl and camera dude unfortunately they are taken down by the the brute leader as he shoots her in the head and begins beating her to death you can see her battery 
going completely dead or going almost completely dead as she's taking all this abuse until the cameraman gets his nuts up, shoots the dude, stops him, and then helps her up. Unfortunately for camera guy, big-ass killer robot attacks him, kills him, appeals him with a sword, and this is when we get robot fight. Brought to you by Budweiser, king of beers. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, that's what it is. She's like, you know what? You can fuck off. So she engages this creature in battle, dying herself, and then takes its brain out and crushes it and kills it. Puts it out of its misery, essentially. And then she, uh, you know, she collapses and she seems to die. Her battery's, her battery's all the way dead. And she got fucked up by that one soldier. So it cuts to footage of the building surveillance and it shows her getting up and walking off. So I'm kind of glad that camera girl, camera robot girl is alive out there somewhere. Camera robot arm gun girl. It kind of plays out like a video game. You know what I mean? <laughs> like a batshit video game. Just with uh, how it escalates and the FPS kind of feeling of it. But uh, I don't think that's a knock against it. It's kind of like a more successful version of uh, Bone Storm from, v from VHS Viral. It's kind of like that, only done better. Timo does really good work. He's he's amazing. I'll follow him, whatever he does. I can't get enough of his segments. This one's a 4 out of 5. It's amazing. Um, it's definitely action. It's definitely more leaning towards action. But it still feels dark in a way that I think it fits still with v VHS. There's real threats, real surprises, real shock. A lot of gore. Great segment. I absolutely love the first-person aspect of it. Kind of felt like you are playing Doom there for a minute. So we go from Mad Scientist, Robot Carnage, to Wraparound. Holy hell. Holy hell, they are still raiding this compound. Um, one, of the, one of the SWAT members is starting to be affected by the footage. He's starting to kind of like twitch out and get a little bit. Seems to be affected by the video. So that's a new... And, they, and these all of these SWAT team members are getting cut off, isolated, kind of separated. It seems like they're being preyed upon, seemingly. Our dude, watching the, the footage, starts switching out. The last segment starts. This one is called Terror, directed by Ryan Prowse, who I'd never heard of. I didn't find anything in his filmography, but I think he did a fine job with this one. This segment is filmed, obviously filmed first person, in a uh, a militia camp. You know, one of these these uh, right wing severe white right wing survival nuts, and this I think this entire segment is a reaction to the to the MAGA bullshit hap that happened in America. It's still happening. Some people still try to be MAGA. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> it, you could just easily just wear a clan robe, or and you see them pull this man out of the shed they're keeping him in, and then. You know, beat on him and then finally shoot him in the head. 
And you also see him kind of collecting the blood, too. And you're thinking, what the fuck is going on here? And then they pull him out and they shoot him again. I have no idea what they're doing with these, with this guy. And why he's regenerating seems to be uh, what they're doing with his blood. So these rednecks, I don't know what they're dicking around with. So what they do is, and Cletus, the, the main character, his, I don't think his name's Cletus, but, you know, might as well be. He's telling us about, he's, they're injecting the blood into a rabbit and then leaving it out for sunrise. So it turns out that the blood has a combustible element because it comes from a vampire. So when the sun sets, so when the sun rises on little bunny foo-foo, at first they kind of think, maybe this didn't work. And then he kind of gets up to say, well, let's check. And then all of a sudden it explodes. <laughs> Like massive Michael Bay explodes, so yes, we have we're gonna weaponize vampire blood in this in this right wing survivalist fucking domestic terrorist camp. Oh man, these guys are insufferable. These definitely are the people you knew exactly where they were on January sixth, twenty twenty one. You know where these racist pieces of shit are. So yeah, at least Cletus is telling us we could plant this in a building, you know, and it it's kind of unsettling because obviously it kind of brings to mind Timothy McVeigh and the Oklahoma City bombings. It's just uh, domestic terrorist pieces of shit. But they, yeah, apparently somehow they caught this vampire and they found out really quick that if you tie him up, I don't know how they found out his blood was combustible. It may have been a thrown away bit of dialogue in there. So yeah, this is their this is their plan. They're put into motion. And uh one of the SWAT team members from the wraparound shows up to sell them a bunch of guns. And this is one I believe this is the first time that it, somebody from a wraparound ends up or is in a segment. Which is weird. Yeah, this is the guy who was like freaking out or like having a reaction when he was watching this tape. So he shows up and sells these idiots the guns and then like sheepishly as a part of their video and then fucks off for the story. Cletus Jethro, Jethro Jr. and um, all the rest of the redneck flock. They have all this blood and they're ready. They find they're they're ready one night to take it and plant it and to blow up a federal building. But thankfully, they had to, they they were held over another night. So what's a bunch of good old boys to do? They get yeehaw drunk, and two of them, the two on watch, they break into the vampire's den to fuck with them a little bit. And the vampire, who is uh, you know good and fucked up from these rednecks, springs to action. Somehow gets the better of everybody, and now we have vampire in Alabama. Not quite as good as Vampire in Brooklyn. Or American Werewolf in London. But yes, we have a vampire on the loose. And when this thing strikes, you don't see it quite yet, but towards the end, when this thing strikes, its face opens up like a predator. Or like one of those Reaper things from Blade 2. Sweet. Anyway. <laughs> our vampire makes short work of all of the militia slowly. Fighting faces off. Just fucking up, fucking everybody up. And it's fun. It's fun watching rednecks die. I never get tired of it. I just, I hate, I hate these MAGA pieces of shit. 
and uh, that's the end. That's their legacy. They fucked around. They did a lot of fucking around. They did a lot of finding out. The vampire bite bit their faces off. Congratulations. When a bunch of idiots like this die, you know, the most you can think is, well, I guess the species just got a little stronger. We roll back to our wraparound after I give my grading for that episode. I give this a three out of five. A hesitant three out of five. I'd almost go down a, a half a point. But you know what? I'm feeling in a generous mood today, so it's getting a 6 out of 10, or a 3 out of 5. You know your fractions. You got there before me. Welcome aboard. I Yeah, it's not bad. It's definitely my least favorite of the segment. I think that Viral was three segments exactly similar to this. Like, it was a, that was a movie built out of 5 or 6 out of 10s. And this one, it's a 6 out of 10. It's It's not... Once you kind of grasp what's going on, there's just a lot going on. Do you know what I mean? Between the, the right-wingers, the yeehaws, and the survivalist pieces of shit. And then they don't they don't come out until halfway through when you find out it's a vampire-type situation. It kind of helps knowing that going into it. <laughs> to it. But, uh, yeah, it's it was just watching a bunch of these assholes be assholes, and it kind of... It kind of hits home when you see them talking about bombing a federal building. How dangerous these rednecks could be. But it was fun seeing the vampire fuck their shit up. So, can't get mad at that. We come back. And uh, our gentleman who was in the, the racist camp, that SWAT member, he's tied up. And the two gal SWAT members, they've taken off all their gear, gotten real comfy. And they are calling him a piece of shit, which he is, you know, and, you know, they're part of the uh, piece of shit VHS cult, so that tells you how low <laughs> this person is. They kind of reveal, in a not-so-subtle way, <laughs> that, they're, uh, that they're part of that cult, and this whole thing of bringing in the SWAT team, it was kind of, it was their tape, so they, they brutally killed that dude. You wouldn't know how brutally they murder this guy. They beat his head in with a camera. They beat his head in with a camera. It's amazing and bloody. And the gal's like getting blood on her as she's doing it. They give you a nice close-up on his uh, destroyed head. It's pretty cool. And the gals are like, this tape is our best one yet. The fans are going to go crazy. Which is kind of funny because they literally do get crazy after the tape. So that was VHS 94. Uh, the wraparound, I give a 3 out of 5 as well. They are damn lucky they had three strong stories coming right out the gate. A 4, a 5, and a 4. And then these ones kind of... The wraparound was just okay. But I don't hold against VHS because, as we know, the wraparounds are always just okay. So that's forgiven. I love this one, you know. I uh, I'm sorry I didn't keep that more more secret. <laughs> uh, it, it seemed quite apparent. Yeah, it's it's a very successful anthology. It's a rare thing to see these days. You know what I mean? It's you, you take them where you can get it. And this one, they had some a lot of fresh ideas, good execution. Even when even at its worst, I think it's better than viral. Even uh, yeah the. The militia camp story called Terra. 
I still think I do think that's better than viral. I guess I take that back. It's just, it's got a little it's got an edge on viral, but uh yeah, the three stories amazing. My favorite, empty wake. Fucking love those. So thank you once again for joining me on this journey of VHS discovery. We talk a lot about tapes, vampires, succubi. Maybe some demons. I don't know. Haunted house. It's been a journey. I'm looking forward to coming back here and talking to you about VHS 99. Where we will party like it's 1999. Which unfortunately means we're going to have to drink Zima. And be at home by 8 to see the X-Files. But it's been a blast. You guys take it easy. Stay scared. <laughs>